the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTBN. Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There is a third title that the angel uses that tells us that the one born, though human, was more than a human Messiah. He's called Lord. Lord. The angel refers to him as Christ the Lord, meaning that the one born in Bethlehem is not only human, but he is also divine. He is full deity. That's why John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Word was God. You see, this is the only way that Jesus could be our Savior. The only way. Only a real man could have a real death, and only the everlasting God could pay the eternal price for our sin. That's the profound truth and the mystery of Christ's birth. God became a real man so that he could die a real death. God as God could not die. God is spirit. But God as a man could die. And being deity, his death was totally sufficient to take away our sins forever. When Jesus died, it was hell on him. He didn't die so that we'd be forgiven for a few thousand years. He died so that we'd be forgiven for eternity, forever. An eternal sacrifice. Yes, the announcement of Jesus' birth proclaimed him not only as Christ the Messiah, but as Christ the Lord. How grateful we should be that Jesus was born as a baby so he could die as a man. What a truly amazing plan for our salvation God started in eternity past and will complete in eternity future. From Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, This is Verse by Verse. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff will wrap up his message on the Messiah's birth announcement from Luke chapter 2. The application of the truths of these studies is personal and extremely important. They are important because they determine our eternal destiny in heaven or hell. Listen closely now as Pastor Steve comes to conclude this series of studies as he looks at the implications of his name. The second important fact about the Christmas message is that it's a message about the Savior. After announcing that the message was about bringing good news for all people, the angel proceeds to announce now the contents of this good news. Look at verse 11, please. He says, For today... In the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, with these few, these very brief words, we learn a profound truth that does tend to be lost today in all the commotion of the season and all the commotion of commercialism that goes with the Christmas season. And it's this, the true message of Christmas is about no one but Jesus Christ. No one. And he's referred to in this passage, in this verse, by three titles. He's called Savior, Christ, and Lord. Listen, I, I want you to know it's easy for us to just look at that and pass over it because we've, we've heard this from the time we were 
children, the Christmas story. But this word from the angels would have absolutely stunned these Jewish shepherds. Because this is the one that the Jewish people have been waiting for for centuries. And it's being told to them. He's arrived. His birth, they were told, was in the city of David called Bethlehem. It's the hometown of David. Sometimes Jerusalem is called the city of David. But Bethlehem is also the city of David. And it was where David was was born. It was predicted in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that one descendant from David would be the Messiah. And as I said, Micah 5, 2, actually in the Jewish Bible, it's Micah 5, 1. But we know it as Micah 5, 2, specifically predicted that the Messiah's birth would take place in Bethlehem. Not a fancy town, a rather plain, obscure village. And now, nearly 700 years after Micah's prediction, the angel is announcing to these disdained, outcast shepherds that the predicted one, the one that all the Jewish people were waiting for, he's arrived. He's just been born nearby in the town of Bethlehem. You know, it almost seems ridiculous to say this, but we all need to be reminded that the true message of Christmas is about the person of Jesus Christ, and not about all the other stuff that accompanies this time of the year, Santa Claus legends, Christmas trees, bright lights, exchanging gifts, popular holiday songs, family get-togethers. And I don't want to pour cold water on that. Those things are fun. They're traditional. It's all right to do that. But in the midst of doing that, let's not forget that the biblical message of Christmas is only about one person and one person alone, the Lord Jesus. The angel actually uses three words to describe him. First of all, he calls him Savior. Jesus is called Savior. Why? Because he actually saves people. He saves people. But he saves them from what? There are a lot of people confused about that today. Many people think that Jesus came into the world to save them from an unfulfilled life, to give them the best life possible. Or he's come to save them from a bad marriage or some addictive habit or feelings of emptiness or some some painful experience, some child hardship. But Jesus didn't come to save us from those earthly issues. He didn't come to fix our problems. He came to save and rescue us from our sins. That's the message of, of Christmas. Matthew 121 says, His name shall be called Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. Literally, in the original, his name shall be called Yeshua, or Joshua, which means Jehovah's salvation. He will save his people from their sins. That's why he's named Jesus. And the reason we need a savior from our sins is because all of us have broken God's laws. All of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God's perfect justice demands that payment be made for these spiritual crimes, these violations of of his word. And the penalty and the punishment for sinning against the perfectly holy God is eternal death, hell itself. Hell is forever being punished because we have sinned against the holy, righteous, perfect God. But Jesus is the Savior from sin's penalty, the Savior from hell, because he died as the perfect substitute for sinners. His death on the cross was 
the eternal punishment. It was the eternal payment for the sins of all those who would believe on him. That is to say, when Jesus was dying on the cross, God the Father was pouring out his wrath, the wrath that we deserve, on his own son, his perfect son. And the moment that we believe that that Christ's death was personally for us and we've repented of our sins and turned to him to save us, we are saved, we are delivered, we are eternally rescued from hell. See, Jesus was born into this world so that he could die as a man and be our Savior. He is our Savior because he is the substitute. His death was the substitutionary sacrifice for us. And not only does he forgive us when we come to him, but he gives us something that secures our eternal fellowship with God. He gives us his own legal righteousness. That is to say, when God looks upon the life of a believer, though we feel still so sinful, and we know our struggles with sin, when God looks at us, he sees the perfect legal righteousness of Christ. God has put that Christ righteousness on our account. On the cross, God put our sins on Christ. When we believe, he puts Christ's legal righteousness on us. Christ wasn't a sinner, but God looked at him legally and said he declared him a sinner. We're not righteous. We're sinners. When we believe, God looks at us and sees the legal righteousness of Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness in him. That is to say, God treated Christ, though he was righteous, treated him on the cross as a sinner. Though we are sinners, God treats us the moment we believe as righteous. So he is our savior. Secondly, the angel called him Christ. He announced that the one born was not only the Savior, but he was also the Christ. What does that mean? The the word Christ simply means the anointed one. It comes from a Greek word, Christos. It is a synonym for a Jewish word, Mashiach, which means Messiah. It means the anointed one, the human who would be anointed. In the past, kings were anointed and prophets and priests were anointed. He's the anointed one. This is the one who is predicted long ago by the prophets who spoke of him as a human. Only a human would be anointed. One who would come from David's line and would be born in Bethlehem, would suffer and die by way of crucifixion. All that speaks of his humanity. The Christ is human. But there is a third title that the angel uses that tells us that the one born, though human, was more than a human messiah. He's called Lord, Lord. The angel refers to him as Christ, the Lord, meaning that the one born in Bethlehem is not only human, but he is also divine. He is full deity. That's why John said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Word was God. You see, this is the only way that Jesus could be our savior. The only way. Only a real man could have a real death. And only the everlasting God could pay the eternal price for our sin. That's the profound truth and the mystery of Christ's birth. God became a real man so that he could die a real death. God as God could not die. God is spirit. 
but God as a man could die. And being deity, his death was totally sufficient to take away our sins forever. When Jesus died, it was hell on him. He didn't die so that we'd be forgiven for a few thousand years. He died so that we'd be forgiven for eternity, forever, an eternal sacrifice. And so we need to understand that the biblical message of Christmas is that the one who was born in Bethlehem was not only the human Savior who died for our sins, but he was also the Lord God. And, folks, that makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes an understanding or a misunderstanding of this separates one from heaven, and they are on their way to hell. Let me explain. When we come to Christ to be our Savior, we are to submit to him also as our Lord. We don't separate who he is. We don't say, well, he's Savior, and I, I might someday make him Lord of my life. You, you can't divide Christ that way. This is a critical truth to grasp because there are many people today who think that they can accept Jesus as their Savior. They simply say a prayer of salvation. There's no repentance. There's no desire in their hearts to turn from their sin. They just think that if they say these words, they'll be forgiven. They'll get the best of both worlds. They can live any way they want in this world. And when they die, they'll go to heaven. It doesn't work like that. When God does a work of grace in your heart, and he draws you to Christ, you are convicted of your sin. You want to repent, and you do repent. You forsake your sin, and you turn to Christ to not only save you, but you have an attitude that says, I surrender my life to you. I submit my life to you as Lord. I'm coming to you, trusting you to be my Savior, but my whole life is turned over to you. I realize, Lord, that, that the heart of my sin is, is running my own life, I choose to turn it over to you. You run it now as I follow your word. But just saying sinner's prayer, Jesus, come into my heart and, and, and be my Savior, and, and words like that, that's not salvation. There are many who say that. They say that prayer, and then they continue to live a life of repetitive sin without any desire to change. And it's just like they did before praying the sinner's prayer. Folks who have lived like that and think they're Christians have deceived themselves. They've deceived themselves into thinking they're saved when they are not saved. They only want forgiveness without submitting to Christ's lordship over their lives. Jesus very clearly taught that those who want to be saved from their sins have to come to a point in their lives where they hate their sin so much that they are ready to turn in repentance from their entire sinful course of life and the direction of their life. Where, where did Jesus say that? Well, let's look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. The Bible says this in, in a number of places. In fact, all of John's gospel basically says this, but Jesus so plainly said it in John chapter 3, starting in verse 19. He said, this is the judgment that the light, he is the light, has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, meaning that they hate him, and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Jesus said, this is the plight of man. He hates me. He hates, he hates Christ. He doesn't want to come to Christ 
because he loves the way his life is. He loves his sin. So for salvation, when salvation takes place in our lives, it's because God has done a sovereign work in our hearts. He has shown us how sinful we are. He has mysteriously worked in our lives, causing us to want to turn from our sin to turn to him as Savior and Lord. Now, as we go back to Luke 2, we discover that right after announcing the birth of Jesus, the angel now tells the shepherds how they can identify and distinguish the new, the newborn Messiah from all the other babies in Bethlehem. How are they going to tell which one is the Messiah baby? Verse 12, this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. They're told that they would be able to recognize the Christ baby because he'd be wrapped in strips of of cloth, probably just rags, lying in an animal feeding trough. Now, the angel has just declared to the shepherds that this baby is a royal child. He's declared that as Messiah. He is heir to King David's throne. And as Lord, he is full deity. One would expect to find this royal child wrapped in luxurious garments and surrounded by every comfort and convenience that is offered on earth. But not the case. He was wrapped in mere strips of cloth, as I said, probably just rags, lying in a crib used for feeding animals. No halo around his head. No golden rays shining on him, just just a little baby like all other little babies, clothed in common strips of cloth, lying in an animal feeding trough. How humbling. How humbling it was for God to become a human being so he could save us. That fact alone ought to humble us and make us grateful like we've never been grateful before as we realize all that Jesus gave up for us in becoming a man. Larry McCall, in his wonderful book, Walking Like Jesus Did, says this about what Christ gave up to become a man. He writes, He who had lived for all eternity past as God now lived the common life of a Jewish carpenter. The one who had worn the royal robes of heaven took them off and was wrapped in baby clothes. The one who had sat on the throne of the universe was laid in an animal's feeding trough. The one who had known the incense of heaven now had the odors of animal urine and manure stinging his baby nostrils. He who had known the praise of angelic beings calling holy, holy, holy now heard the sounds of sheep, donkeys, and camels. The one who had been the creator of the universe was now a dependent baby boy. The one who had spoken the universe into existence now made the soft cooing sounds of a newborn baby. The one who had sustained the universe by his divine power was now dependent on a young Jewish woman to nurse him and change his diaper. Folks, Jesus gave up all of this and more. Why? Because it was necessary for him to become a man so that he could die in the place of sinners like us. But why did he do it? Why? No other reason than that 
He loves us. He loves us. The mystery is, why does he love us? Because God is love. It's his nature. It's not because we're lovely. It's not because there's anything in us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. But that is a broad generalization. God does love the world of sinners. But there's a more personal statement in Scripture about his love for us. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, when speaking about the crucifixion and being crucified, he speaks of Jesus and he said, who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. And I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that Christ loves you and gave himself on the cross to die, not for a world in general, but for you, for you personally? If you do believe that and you've never done so, then call upon the name of the Lord to save you. Confess to him that you know you're a sinner, that you know you deserve the judgment of hell. Turn away from your sinful lifestyle of running your own life and turn to him to forgive you with a heart that is willing to obey him as the new Lord over your life. This is what the Christmas message is about. He came to save all who know they need saving. Let's bow for prayer. If you have never experienced salvation, then I urge you to do so before it's too late. If you have never recognized Jesus as Savior and Lord, then do so today. Come to him. Come to him acknowledging your sinfulness. Come to him with a heart ready to turn from your self-centered life. Trust him. Trust him that his death was for you. Come to him with an attitude that says, Lord, I've messed up my life. I've sinned against you. I want you to run my life. I want to obey you. I obey you in coming to, to you for salvation. I want the rest of my life to be a statement of obedience. If you've never done that, I urge you to do it. Don't be like the self-righteous, churchy Pharisees. What a shock they had when they died and didn't go to heaven. Because they were self-righteous. Don't think you're saved when you're not. If you've already trusted Christ, then may God's word today instill in you a greater worship for the Savior, a greater appreciation for all he gave up to become your Savior. Father, thank you for the birth announcement of your son. Thank you for telling us what we need to know. Thank you for reminding us what Christmas is really all about. And I pray, Lord, that as we continue this holiday season, help us to be focused on Christ. Help us to remember him in the midst of all that we have going on, family and friends and gifts exchanged and all the merriment of the season, Lord. May our hearts be filled with worship and praise for you. May you give us a platform to speak about Christ to the unsaved. And may you take what we've studied today and lodge it deep within our hearts. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us, for saving us, though we be the chief of sinners. We pray this all 
In Jesus' name, amen. If we here at Verse by Verse can be of any help to you in this Christmas season, please feel free to call us at 727-239-0306. We want you to have the very best Christmas ever by becoming part of God's family through trusting in Jesus as your Savior and desiring to make Him Lord of your life. Jesus came so that you could have life and have it abundantly. That phone number again is 727-239-0306. You can also email us at contact at versebyverseradio.org. These messages and many more are available to you free of charge by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can stream them or download them. We encourage you to share them with a friend. Verse by Verse comes to you from Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893, Sunset Point Road in Clearwater, Florida. For all of the staff here at Verse by Verse, I'm Jerry Pruden, wishing you and your family a very blessed and wonderful Christmas Day. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's v- want to keep the Christ in Christmas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.